Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Well, friends, I'm back in the saddle again, here doing the One Guy with a Mic Dingers and Dunks podcast. So glad for all you guys that have continued to follow along, even though I haven't put out any episodes since August, a mere four months ago, just about. Uh, Just been a crazy last four months, so I really haven't had a chance to do any research. Um, You know, as as everybody knows that follows me on on Twitter, as I am the research team, uh, so the inside joke is, hey, we've got to give the research team a break this week. Unfortunately, the research team went on a four-month hiatus and really had to talk them back into uh, getting back into the game, as you want to call it. Because, um, hey, we're here to talk about sports. We're here to enjoy some laughs. You know, I, I really hope I bring some laughs to you guys. Usually, it's not a lot of funniness. On the, on here anyways, because, you know, it's just me. But I am start trying to figure out a way to do things virtual. Uh, probably doing some video podcasts, uh, some live streams on Twitch. You know, I got I have those capabilities um, available. I just don't have the time right now. So it is something that I'm trying to look forward to trying to figure out time to do. Just so that way you guys can just come hang out and chill and chat on on a morning or an evening um i got a couple friends i want to hop on the podcast with me as well um so we'll i i'm i would be glad to get them on here and uh get them to talk about their sports history and what they like about baseball or basketball so i think it's gonna be a lot of fun um again this is i mean we're 10 months since the first episode dropped almost 10 months to the day since the first episode dropped um and uh and it's just been a wild ride for me so it's been fun i've i continue to meet people through uh through watching streamers on twitch so glad they can hop on here listen to the podcast a little bit and uh going forward uh you know before we were doing we we're doing them once a week um i think with my schedule right now, we're going to be doing a more of an every other week type situation. And I think for now, you know, I really want to do, do the pieces that I have, have thought of about before, you know, we started the whole players in different states, but I think they got a little like, to me, to me, it might've been interesting to me. Um, it got a little mundane for me. Uh, I still want to do some stuff with Australia because I still want to do that do that one big one because Australia is huge on the baseball side and basketball side. Plus, they have so many influences on both, not only here in the States, but also over in Australia as well. So I still want to do that, um, but I think we might save that for a little bit. I still want to do some states, um, So, but I just, I think I just want to dissect players at the moment. So we're going to dissect some players' careers uh, tonight, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, we're going to talk about Pete Rose. 
uh, today's topic is. Uh, he's a very controversial baseball player. He's either the spectrum's all over of it um, as a player and as a person. I mean, he did. There's some things he did that he's admitted to um, that people don't agree with. It's fine. Um, there's some things that he, there's some antics he did as well. Uh, the whole gambling on sports. Uh, so, I mean, we got to talk about the man, but we also got to talk about the player as well. And that's really what I want to focus on in this podcast is breaking down his player and his relevance in the because he, he played from '63 to '86. So that's a 24-year span. Um, I mean, so in order to just what I want to do is to elaborate on on that time frame of what he did and where he ranks during that time frame as well. So that's really what I want really what I want to do. Um he was the last player manager in Major League Baseball as well when he with the Reds. Uh I'm not really going like I said, I'm not really going to talk about about the gambling situation. We're just going to strictly talk about this. I mean, we got I have bits and pieces of it as well. But you know, before we get into this thing, we have to do our did you know, right? I mean, what what it's not a one guy with a mic episode without a did you know. I mean, I don't have a little on this day in sports history. I mean, I didn't really do that go that far, but we are going to do it back with a little did you know. And this is a little fun fact because, you know, Gaylord Perry is probably one of those more interesting pitchers that I like. Um, so, and I consider myself kind of like the Gaylord Perry of, you know, softball. So as a pitcher, throwing junk, Charlie Huff-like junk up there. And so uh, one of the things that I found interesting doing, you know, just with Gaylord Perry is that a fact about him was that Gaylord Perry hit a home run right after his manager said they'd put a man on the moon first. So debuting in 1962, Perry played in an era where pitchers, you know, weren't, um, weren't only expected to pitch, but hit as well. Okay. And talking to reporters over his pitchers inability to hit San Francisco Giants manager, Alvin Dark joked that, Hey, they'll put a man on the moon before Gaylord Perry hits a home run. Well, during his game on July 20th, 1969, a mere 20 minutes after Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon, Perry stepped up to the bat and hit his first career home run. So, you know, a little bit, a little bit of history facts there for you. So let's, uh, let's get into this Pete Rose business, shall we? I think we shall. So like I said, before I start a breakdown of the player, I do have to mention all the things that Pete Rose has done since being banned. Um, in 89 is when that ban finally took effect. Um, and like I said, he's one of the most controversial players in baseball. Uh, he's done a lot of things. Um, and, you know, b- made bad choices. But, you know, again, I'm not throwing bricks because, you know, people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw bricks. So, just saying. Um, but again, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be a piece without it. So let's start with past, let's everything past 1989. All right. So here's a rundown. 89, he got banned. He got banned from baseball after denying it, then admitting it. But he stated at the time he didn't bet on Reds games. All right. Then in 1990, 
He got convicted of tax evasion for five months, had to go to a medium, uh, medium security prison, and then had to do community service afterwards. And then in 1991, Baseball Hall of Fame voted to ban those on the permanent ineligible list to ever be a uh, to ever be accepted in the Hall of Fame. Also in 1991, uh, Pete Rose made a cameo in a TV movie about Babe Ruth. He just so happened to play Ty Cobb. But the scene took place in a bar due to Major League Baseball denying him uh, to wear a, a licensed uniform. So, and then he did some autograph circuits and everything else and kind of kept a low profile. I mean, not really lo- a low profile, but, I mean, it's Pete Rose. He's kind of, he, he, he's kind of always just been around. I during this entire time, I've been kind of thinking about like, like who else comes to mind of had a had a career, um, and then made some bad choices afterwards, and then got in trouble with the law, and kind of fell out of favor with the American public because of the things that he did, and now is just old and living in Florida and golfing a lot. I mean, when I when I was thinking about Pete Rose, I was comparing him to O.J. Simpson. Granted, O.J. Simpson had the murders and, you know, he was found not guilty of that. But it's kind of like the same storyline, though. Is like O.J. Simpson made this big persona of himself, right? And we all bought into the persona. We all bought into this character that O.J. Simpson created of himself by doing the Naked Gun movies and, you know, doing the, the commercials and stuff, like... Like, we all bought it, the Hertz commercials and stuff. Like, we bought on this larger-than-life figure, right? And I think that's what kind of Pete Rose did after he retired as well. Or not retired, but after he got banned from baseball. Was like, he started to make this big public persona because he wanted to stay relevant. Um, and then, so I think those two kind of, like, not nearly identical, but they kind of coincide with one another. Um, just of... Because I never got to see either of them play. I mean, I don't... I was... Four years old when Pete Rose was managed his last game or you know did his last at bat whatever his last at bat in '86 right I was four years old at the time I was seven when he got banned so I wasn't really compre- you know I really wasn't there for that oh I was there for I remember the stuff after um uh, but the same with OJ Simpson I I wasn't there there for his playing career because he was done by the time I was born however I've been there for the naked gun movies, the commercials and and how he just started to try, try to keep this public persona, keep going to make money off his name. Right. So I think these two kind of coincide together. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. Tweet me, um, shoot me a DM, you know, whatever, man. Uh, just let me know what your thoughts are about it. So in 1998, he started a relationship with WWE, WWF at the time, the world wrestling federation and Vince McMahon. Um, in 1989, he was selected as an outfielder on the All-Century team that was voted on by the fans after a select team of panel ex- or select team of um, experts on a panel uh, compiled the list. And then Game Two of the 99 World Series, Major League Baseball made the first exception uh, for allowing Pete Rose to show up at a Major League Baseball field. Um, he was also ranked 25th. On the so not only was he on the all century team of the top 100 players, he was also ranked 25th on the Sporting News list of 100 greatest players that year as well. Um, in 2002, Rose um, 
Rose breaking Ty Cobb's record was voted as the most memorable moment in baseball history, as voted on by the fans. In 2004, he uh, wrote an autobiography, My Prison Without Bars, and he admits that he not only bet on baseball, but Reds games, stating he never bet against the Reds, though. Um, 2004, he was also inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, so he's also in the Hall of Fame. Also in 2004, uh, ESPN made a movie called Hustle, which is a movie based on the Dowd Report. It had Tom Sizemore in it, uh, and that was without Pete Rose's involvement. In 2007, on the Dan Patrick Show, Pete again admitted he bet on Reds games, but never against because he would he loved his team. But Dowd said at the time. Rose didn't bet on the game on the Reds when Mario Soto or Bill Gullickson pitched. So that's interesting. Um, 2010, he participated in the celebration in Cincinnati on the 25th anniversary of breaking Cobb's record. Um, after that, he held a roast at the Hollywood Casino in Lawrenceburg. Um, it was attended by his Reds teammates, and he wept, acknowledged he had disrespected baseball, and his teammates. Uh, again, this is, you know, you bet on baseball, you're into gambling, then you want to get reinstated because ever since 1989, he's been trying for reinstatement. And, but I don't think he does any favors by still association with, and I really can't say that anymore because sports betting has such been huge. I was going to say, I don't think he does any favors by, by associating himself with casinos and betting sites. But I mean, major league baseball, NFL all do that now. So and, and my, you know, back in August, I did the whole gambling and sports thing and how up until 1921, it was okay. Like gambling and baseball weren't hand in hand. So again, I don't, I don't think, and it was only because of Landis and Wrigley at the time that was totally against it and whatnot. And yeah, the, there was games thrown, but you know, players weren't paid that well. I mean, they were, but they weren't. So the big ones were, the little ones weren't. So I get it. So I, again, I think... Maybe, I mean, lifetime ban, I get that, you know. And I'm not saying what he did was right at all, but can we, like, over time just let it go? <laughs> Maybe reinstate him? Just He's 81 years old now. I mean, so what's he going to go? Become the next Jack McKeon? McKeon and be the oldest manager in baseball? I don't think... I don't think so, but at least then he can just be around the Reds. That's all he really wants to do at the end of it anyways. So, um, in 2013, he became a reality star with his third wife called Pete Rose hits and misses that aired on TLC 2014. He earned, um, North of a million dollars for paid appearances, autographs and memorabilia sales, which mostly took place also took place around, um, Cooperstown and Hall of Fame weekend as well is when he did that as well. Uh, 2014 appeared in a Skechers Super Bowl commercial. 2014 also guest managed was a guest manager for the Bridgeport Fish um, in Independent League Baseball. They played the Lancaster something. I don't remember what the Lancaster team name was, but he coached first base and was out there, you know, so everybody could see. Again, he's still trying to get reinstated in baseball throughout all these years as well. Then in 2015 to 2017, he 
was hired by Fox as a guest analyst and appeared on multiple multiple of their shows. Uh, 2015, he appeared at the MLB All-Star Game, which happened to be in Cincinnati. In 2016, uh, his his jersey was his jersey number was retired by the Reds, which was approved by the league. In 2016, uh, John Dowd he sued John Dowd for defamation over comments that uh, he um, that John Dowd said on a radio show about how Pete Rose committed statutory rape of of a minor in the 70s. Um, in 2017, he admitted to the sexual relationship, but stated the girl was of consenting age, which at the time was 16. Um, in the lawsuit with Dowd, the judge dismissed, the judge dismissed um, it after both parties reached an agreement and made it for prejudice for pete rose which basically means he won um he has a statue outside of him outside of great american ballpark um like i said since he's been banned he's tried many times and failed for reinstatement so i mean that's some of the good some of the bad a lot of bad and definitely a few ugly pieces in there as well um so let's break down his career and see where rose rakes ranks all right man um, I think we, so for this piece, all right. So all center team has, has them in an outfielder. Okay. As a left fielder. All right. I, I can agree with that. He did play 1400 games in the outfield. Second most games at position was left field. So I can get that. I can get, I can get behind that. All right. So, but, but I wanted to get down to the, the basis of this all. All right. So what I did was I, I compared with him, I compared Pete Rose to Ty Cobb, you know, the guy he wanted to beat all the time. I compared him to Ricky Henderson, all right, guy that came after him, played almost just as long, okay? And then I went in and dug and found out who the Hall of Famers were from 63 when he came in the league, that played from 63 when he came to the league, give or take five years, so... If they were like, so if they came in the league in 58 and were, was a Hall of Famer, I put them on the list as well. Okay. So basically from 58 to, and I only went to 81 because Pete Rose should not have played after 1981. In my opinion, in a few of the articles that I read opinions, like even the stats say that he should have stopped playing in 1981, but he had such a desire, desire and wanted to just be the all time hits leader that he proceeded to do this also and the reason uh, another reason why i'm doing this is because i got into a twitter imagine that me twitter fight with a guy on twitter um happens to be a streamer as well um and uh so him and i were going back and forth about pete rose and i had pete rose as a first baseman right like to me that's that made sense that's where he played um, that's where he played most of his career was to me at first base. So he should be classified as a first base, but, um, but then when you really break it down, you could justify it playing outfield since he did play 1400 games in the outfield, right? So we're going to go. So I'm, so what I did was. This is what I did. I compared him 
with the tw- so there's 12 position players that made the Hall of Fame. Okay? And first of all, I want to say at Matthias White, um, if you're even thinking about listening to this episode, our conversation on Twitter, which I, I enjoyed immensely, uh, it was very open and very fluid. And, you know, I wasn't trying to do some gotcha moments or anything else like that when I was complain- comparing A and B. All right, man. I was just stating some facts. All right. The limited facts that I had at the time. But now I've done eight hours of research on this. Broke it all down thanks to baseballreference.com. Everybody, if you want to, become a stat head. It's like $8 a month for baseball, $16 a month for all four sports. Um, and it's great. It's the greatest websites that you can possibly find because you can find stats instantly. It's Google on your phone for sports. I absolutely love it. So, and again, I'm not sponsored by them, but I should be. Okay, as much as I use their product, as much as they, I talk about them. So, so this is where all my stats were from. It's where I got the, all the breakdown from. A few of the things I got off of uh, Bullpen uh, Wiki as well, which is just some stats and stuff. So, all right. So let's let's go, man. Let's let's just do this, okay? So. Uh, he played a total of 673 games in left field. He played another 589 in right. He played 73 in center. Okay. He played 939 at first. All right. Um, so, so, so let's start with, let's start with the records. Okay. Most at bats at 14,053. Career played appearance, most career played appearances at 15,890. He had 3,562 career games played. He had 3,215 signals, 4,256 hits. He was a 17-time All-Star, a three-time World Series champ, uh, two with the Reds, one with the Phillies, a 73 MVP award, a 63 NL Rookie of the Year, a two-time Gold Glove winner, a a one-time Silver Slugger award. He won the Roberto Clemente award, and he was a three-time NL batting champ, plus he was on the All-Century team, right? He was also a switch hitter. Um, that hit had over 3,000 hits left-handed and over 1,000 hits right-handed. He had a career average of 303. On-base percentage was 375 and a slugging percentage of 409. He spent most of his career as a leadoff hitter where he produced all the singles, um, 746 doubles, 135 triples, and 160 home runs. He also had 1,314 RBIs as a career. Again, not all of these would happen as a leadoff hitter but he spent a majority of it as that hitter. So, um, he had a offensive war of 83.3, but defensively he was a minus 13.2. Um, so sabermetrics, uh, so then, but his, so then sabermetrics, so then his actual war was 79.6, uh, for his career. And Sabermetrics, uh, you know, beautiful Bill James, the godfather of sports metrics and his war. So if you had an 8-plus, it was basically an MVP. If you had a 5-plus, a 5-8 to eight was all-star level. 2-5 to five was a starter level. 0-2, to two, basically, you're a sub. And anything 0 or less, you're basically a triple-A player. Okay? So Rose has one season that was above an 8. 
and that was his MVP year of 73. Okay? He wasn't the highest war that year, though, as Joe Morgan had a higher war, and so did um, uh, Willie Stargell as well. Okay? So... He didn't. Th- he didn't have a higher highest WAR that year, but he did win the batting title that year. Had the highest led the league in hits as well. So that's fine. Okay. He had six seasons with a WAR that was between five and seven, so he was an All Star level. Um, he had eight seasons of being at two to four, which is a starter level. Five seasons at um, the sub level, and four seasons as a below replacement level. Okay. So he was a little bit all over the spectrum. Most of it happened, most of the lower stuff happened again after 1981. In 1981, he had a 2.0 war. He should have retired then. I'm just saying. All right. Let's see. All right. Was that? Yeah. And in 81, he had a two war. Okay. Actually, no, it was a 1.7. In 1981, he had a 1.7. And then after that, it's a minus 1.1, a minus 2.21, a minus 2.1, a .3, a .7, a .6, a minus .9. Like, his last significant contributions was, realistically, 1979. And so, but he got voted. And two of his all-star appearances happened in, one in 82, when he didn't really have a great year, and another one in 85. And I feel like the one in 85 was just... Uh, a pity all-star ballot, but whatever. So, um, again, I'm not a big fan of war, but when comparing the same, the same position, it helps as a valuable tool. I also learned this talking with a couple other guys on Twitter, Lumpy Oatmeal and Pseudo LG, you know, talking that out again, war is a good tool. It's very viable to dissect when you're discussing the same position, right? So, let's so since we're going to call him a left fielder, right? Um So the average total score of a of a Hall of Famer and left fielder in war um Rose has the fifth highest out of out of all left fielders. Okay? The only ones that are above him are Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, Ricky Henderson, and Carl Yastrzemski. That's it. But like I said, Rose didn't play all years in the left, so this is a, um, so it's not really a true stat to compare to left field. But at the same time, we can throw it in there, you know. So, out of all position players, his seventy nine point six seventy nine point six WAR ranks forty first all time. So again, top fifty. I mean, we're looking at pretty good. But he did play twenty six years, so that WAR really cranks it up afterwards. So let's let's compare him with Ricky Henderson, right? Henderson played 25 years, and he basically came in in 1979 and played till what 2004? Yeah, okay. So right at the end of Rose's career is when Henderson comes in, and Rose and or not Rose, Henderson uh, had a career WAR of 111.1. He also had 3,055 hits, 297 home runs. He had a 279 average. He had 510 doubles, 66 triples, um, and 1,115 RBIs. His offensive war was a 105.2, and his defensive war was a minus 2.3. Ricky also had two seasons of eight war. One of them was when he won the MVP. 
uh, two seasons of of plus five war, twelve seasons of two plus war, three seasons of zero point two war, and three seasons of below zero, which two point two was his lowest one at ne- negative two point two was his lowest one, and that was his rookie year. Um, again, Rose has more hits. Uh, he has more strikeouts, more singles, doubles, and triples. He had the higher average, but Ricky has more stolen bases, runs scored, walks. Um, so, and being the all-time hits king is, you know, the difference at some point, right? You got to throw that in there, but Ricky Henderson was also the all-time steals king. I did figure this out, though. So, if you add 3,092 at-bats to Ricky Henderson and say he still bats 279, he would have had 863 more hits. Um, so then he ends up with 39.17 for a career, which still puts him a third all-time, but not enough to get him over that hump. So, I mean, he did other... Th- Ricky did do lead the league in a lot of categories besides most hits and batting average for three times like Rose. Rose didn't really have a whole lot of accomplishments, um, a lot of his league leading stats was in games played, at bats, played appearances. That's what a lot of his league leading stats were um, for. As the leadoff hitter on the big red machine, I assume you got up a lot. So, and that's usually when he got up. All right. So, um, P. Rose isn't better than Ricky. So, we've already knocked out one thing, right? Rick, P. Rose is not cannot be considered the greatest baseball player of all time. Okay, that that's a we have proven that just by just by doing the stats with Ricky Henderson. But again, the greatest baseball player of all all time is also a subjective, right or objective. I mean, it's really your own view. Okay, so if you love Pete Rose, you love Pete Rose. I think Ryan Sandberg is the best second baseman of all time. He was had a ninety nine point seven percent fielding percentage. He had the most home runs up till a point. By a second baseman, he was part of the thirty thirty club, almost part of the forty forty club, and has an NL MVP on his on his hands, and he played in two NL championship games. But does that make him the best? Not really, just in my opinion. So, I mean, so there's that. All right, now what about Pete Rose and Ty Cobb? You know. The player he had to break the record of. Well, Ty Cobb had a 366 average, a 433 on base percentage, and a 512 slugging percentage. This is during the dead ball era, ladies and gentlemen, where they played it dark and people died, as Dana Augustine and I talked about in uh, on his show, Historically Speaking Sports, right? So then you have uh, four hundred. He had four thousand one hundred eighty nine hits. He had seven hundred twenty four doubles, two hundred ninety five triples, one hundred seventeen home runs, nineteen hundred forty four RBIs. He had eight hundred ninety seven stolen bases. He also walked twelve hundred forty nine times, and he only struck out six hundred eighty times. So the difference between Rose and Cobb with that bats was two thousand six hundred thirteen. If Cobb hits at three a three sixty six. Average, which is his career average, he would have nine thousand nine hundred and fifty-six more hits. You add that to his total, and Cobb ends up with five thousand one hundred and forty-five hits. So, to me, Pete Rose's only reason he's the home the all-time hits king is because of how many at bats he had. 
He lasted his le- he played in mostly 162 game seasons. Right? So there we have an asterisk, right? We have an asterisk. We're doing this whole Roger Maris asterisk thing now. But you throw on he had more games. He played more games against Cobb or than Cobb, right? He batted leadoff. Got up about five. He could have got up five or six times out in one one game, right? So you get a few more at bats every single game. That adds up over it's an extra three hundred at bats a year just by getting up there. If you get up there five times every game, which I know you're not going to, but there's that chance, right? So, or it's a hundred and sixty-two extra at bats a year. So, and that over a twenty-six year career gets you to that number, right? Okay. So we can also take a percentage of this, and he would have you'd also have to add 162 more doubles to his total, 66 more triples, and 25 more home runs. So I'm sure some will. So Ty Cobb, Pete Rose does not match against Ty Cobb. So again, we have not, again we have clarified Pete Rose is not even the best left fielder of all time, and he is not even better than Ty Cobb. Which, that's going to be hard to do anyways, because Ty Cobb is probably the top three best players of all time, right behind Babe Ruth, who has the all-time war war situation. Okay? And I'm sure some will say, hey, one guy, you just can't pro-rate, stat, pro-rate stats. Realistically, but realistically, that's the only way you can make it an even playing field. And if you don't, you know, get that, well, let's see how many Hall of Famers from his era that he played in. And again, I only took from 63 to 81. Okay. Cause after 81 Rose fell off big time and it wasn't just a little, and he only hung on to break Cobb's record, which he ended up, he ended up talking the reds into making him play player manager to do so. All right. So here are all the hall of famers that played during that time. Okay. Like I said, five years before, um, and then, up till 81. I didn't go. If you started in like 75, I didn't count you. That you only had a six year, you only had a six season thing in there. If you didn't have at least 10, 10 seasons as a Hall of Famer, I didn't count you in this list. All right. That was my cutoff because in order to qualify for a Hall of Fame, you needed to have at least played 10 seasons, right? I didn't do that. Okay. Didn't, we're not doing that. All right. We're just going to whoever started in 50, say 58. And all the way went up to, and then whoever into the career by 81, okay? And as long as you didn't have, as long as you're a Hall of Famer, but you didn't have 10 seasons, you know, I didn't count you. So Mike Schmidt and your nine seasons, I didn't count you, bro. Sorry. I like you, Mike Schmidt, which I've really come, I really have grown fond of Mike Schmidt over the years. I thought Mike Schmidt was probably one of the most overrated third basemen of all time when I was a kid. And then I grew up and realized, hey, Mike Schmidt was a monster, dude. So, yeah. So, here are the list of Hall of Famers. The position players are as follows. Lou Brock, Billy Williams, Willie Stargell, Carl Yastrzemski, Reggie Jackson. Okay, those are the position players. Well, I should say, hold on, not all the position players. Um, Those are the outfielders. The infield players were uh, Johnny Bench and Carlton Fisk at catcher. Okay. I didn't compare them on this list since Pete Rose didn't play catch. He never played catcher. You also had uh, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan off the Big Red Machine. 
You had Rod Carew, Orlando Cepeda, and Tony Oliva. All right, there's your 12 position players. Um, again, like I said, I didn't compare him against Bench or Fisk since he never played catcher. However, he did play infield, and some of those infielders played left field as well and the outfield. So that's where we're going with that. Uh, for pitchers, there was 13 pitchers that qualified that are in the Hall of Fame from this era. Jim Cott, Juan Marichal, Jim Palmer, Gaylord Perry, my guy. Fergie Jenkins, another one of my guys because, you know, he's an awesome Cubs pitcher. Tom Seaver, Raleigh Fingers, Steve Carlton, Bob Gibson, Phil Necro, Don Sutton, Nolan Ryan, and Catfish Hunter. All right? So, those are all. So, did he face some of the greatest pitchers of all time? Um, I would have to say yes. I mean, because all those guys are, I mean, you're facing Gibson. Granted, Gibson was in, the, was in there for five years and played against him, you know. Uh, Carlton, definitely, and Seaver, definitely. I mean, Carlton and Seaver are probably top five pitchers of all times, you know. So, and we all can agree on that, all right? So, let's go with Rose versus the outfielders. Now, I did 18 seasons because that was the max that there was for... um, that's the that's all that was basically the max I did for him because I think it was Lou Brock that ended in seventy Billy Williams, that's right. Billy Williams played eighteen eighteen seasons. So that's why I went with eighteen seasons. Kinda just even it over the playing field. Granted I know P. Rose's rookie career falls in that. However, let's go through the stats real quick, okay? So Rose ranks first in runs at bats, hits Doubles, leads strikeouts, batting average of a 310, total bases, and offensive war at 83.3. During his first 18 seasons, he's second in triples. All right. He was fifth in home runs, fifth in RBIs. He was also second in caught stealings, second in walks, second in on base percentage, second in overall war at 82.1, and his defensive war was only a minus 7.2, which was. Second <laughs> of all those of all those outfielders. Okay, he was first in runs created. He was third in stolen bases. He was fifth in slugging percentage. His he was second in batting average on balls in play at a three twenty seven, and eighty one percent of his balls were put in play. So there you have it. He ranks as basically averages out to be what top two, top three outfielder of all time for with with those six guys that are those other five guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Like realistically, that's where he ranks. I mean he has a um again war isn't the number, but let's be real. He he has Strimsky had a ninety one point seven and then it's Rose at eighty two point one during this time. And Lou Brock only had a forty four point six. So yeah. I mean, he's it, to me. He he's a Hall of Fame at eight year a season eighteen. He's a Hall of Famer, maybe a borderline Hall of Famer to some, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, now let's go against the infielders. All right, we only did fifteen seasons because one of them only played for fifteen seasons, which uh, I think that was Tony Perez. Or Tony Oliva. Tony Oliva. That's, a, that's who it was. 
Tony Oliva only played 15 seasons. Okay. So I did 15 seasons again. Like you said, it breaks it down, but, and even the only guy it really affects that got to the, his still in his prime was Joe Morgan and Joe Morgan still rakes on this, but so let's go with infielder, right? So ranks first in at bats, runs, hits, doubles, and triples second in walks. All right. And then he was third in caught stealing and on base percentage. Third and he struck out the most third. His three eleven batting average um, put him second, which was behind Rocky Roo's three thirty two and ahead of Tony Oliva's three oh four. All right. So he was a constant three hundred hitter, as proven with a three oh three. Um he has fourth in RBIs and stolen bases, fifth in home runs, because again, Pete Rose wasn't a power hitter. He did hit a lot of singles, got on base a lot, which you want your leadoff hitter to do, right, people? We all can agree on that, right? Okay. He had sixth in slugging percentage. He was second in war at 74.4 during this span, and that was behind Joe Morgan at 80.5, okay? And then Rod Crew was right behind him with a 72.8, and then guess what? It falls off. You have Tony Perez at a 50.7, which barely makes him a Hall of Famer because Bill James says that if you have a 50 war, or yeah, a 50 war, that is puts you minimal Hall of Fame war. That's your minimal Hall of, way, Hall of Fame war is a 50, okay? Just based on what the average Hall of Famer is, all right? Because you got to remember that a lot of these, a lot of our Hall of Famers, baseball Hall of Fame, I, I'm going to do an episode on this is so diluted with players that shouldn't be there just because of the veterans committee, because of baseball writers association, put him there. Um, there's 233 players in the hall of fame. There should be more, or I should say we should be taking some out that don't belong and putting more in as we've already talked about. Hernandez, Don Mattingly, Fred McGriff, Kurt Schilling, all those guys belong in the Hall of Fame, but they're not. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, all those guys belong in the Hall. I don't care if they did droids or not, because guess what? <laughs> um, Pete Rose went on the David Letterman show at one point and admitted he did amphetamines in the 70s. Baseball players popping blues and greenies. Again, we've talked about this on this podcast in February about drugs in sports and how and how that takes effect, right? Okay. So even as an infielder, he finishes top five infielders of that of that era. Okay. So So let's sum this all up. You know, we're forty five minutes. This is eight hours of research that I'm getting done in forty five minutes. You guys are damn lucky I'm just that damn good. So to sum it all up Pete Rose, again, was probably one of the top 10, top 15 players from the 63 to 81 era. Oh, and and you know, before we get into that, let's talk about batting, all right? Because, um, you know, <clears throat> Matthias uh, White did point out that he wanted to get some of the best pitchers of all time. Okay, so let's point this out. He had 190 plate appearances against Don Sutton, right? Had 60 hits off Sutton. Had a 345 batting average lifetime against him. Phil Necro, 286. Juan Marichal, 342. Gaylord Purry, 304. Tom Seaver, 296. Bob Gibson, 307. 
Fergie Jenkins, 323. Steve Carlton, 257. Nolan Ryan, a 415 average against Nolan Ryan. Like, he ate Nolan's lunch. Granted, it was only in 41 at-bats and 52 plate appearances, but he had Nolan's lunch. He took his lunch money and everything else. Jim Cott. 324, Catfish Hunter, 308, Jim Palmer, 286. The only guy that ever got him out really was Steve Carlton. And that's, Steve Carlton's just a beast, all right? Again, another one of those guys, I grew up thinking, Steve Carlton, I don't really like that guy. Can't be that great. And then you look at his stats and, oh my goodness, that man was money, all right? So yeah, so again, I got a, you know, shout out to the dude on Twitter. I, I admit when I'm wrong, bro. And I was absolutely wrong in an argument, okay? This even falls back to the LeBron Jordan argument that I've done on this podcast. If you don't have, you need it, if you have an hour and 20 minutes of your day, listen to that one because that one's really good. I love it. So let's really quick sum this up. All right. So he was definitely a top 15, 10 to, 10 to 15 player um, from 63 to 81. If he retires after the 81 season, I believe he would have been elected into the Hall of Fame the summer of 87. But you know what? The ego of the man, in my opinion, just overtook him. The desire to break Ty Cobb's record drove him to play six years longer than he should have. Maybe he still manages the Reds. Maybe he still bets on baseball. Still. But I believe he would have been a Hall of Famer. And that's comparing him to the players of that era, right? That's We just compared all the Hall of Famers of that era, okay? I don't believe Tony Perez should be a Hall of Famer. I don't believe Tony Oliva should be a Hall of Famer. Lou Brock, I really think he just got in there because of his all-time stolen bases, right? So, honestly, I really do believe Pete Rose has gained my respect just like he, I mean, not... As a person, let's, let, let, let me break this down. Pete Rose has gained my respect as a player up till 1981, okay? After that, he just became a mediocre, grumpy old guy off the bench like everybody else does. Stayed in the game way too long. Um, and like I said, I don't know if, if he would have been banned for gambling on baseball. You know, maybe he still manages. Maybe he still does the whole gambling thing. But the thing is, that thing didn't come out until 89, so he would have been in the Hall of Fame. Roberto Alomar is still... In Cooperstown. Even after all the crap he's done. Alright? So, we still make sure they stay. And once a player is elected in the Hall of Fame, we still have him in the Hall of Fame. You can still go on Baseball Hall of Fame, the the Hall of Fame website, and see Roberto Mal- Alomar listed as on second base. Like, the only people that scrubbed, uh, scrubbed him off their records and everything was the Toronto Blue Jays. So... He has a 79.1 war, fifth all-time for left fielders. He didn't need to be the all-time hit king. All right? And really, if you really, like I said, at the start of this, really if you think about it, after it was after once he was banned, he just became a character of himself. And he was no longer Pete Rose the person, but Pete Rose the character that he put out towards the public because he still wanted the public to embrace him. He still needed that that adornment. He still needed the people to flock to him. So he put on a show. Always, every time. He he became, like I said, 
he tried to become this giant larger than life persona. So, and again, I, his, the, just as when he was first called, given the nickname Charlie Hustle, that was meant to be an insult that other players gave him because he ran down to first base on walks. I mean, I know a guy that did that in slow pitch softball and uh, sprained his MCL (laughs) doing it because he slipped on the bag as he rounded first walking. It was a walk. All he had to do was walk down at first. And nope, not this guy. I ran and even turned the corner like I was going to still suck it. And slipped on the bag and sprained my MCL. That's called karma, people. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> so, even with the Charlie Hustle, Hustle nickname that, you know, he ended up gaining the respect of other players at that time. Because of his plays. And he still pissed people off, like the 1970s all-star game when he ran over Ray Fossey. All right. It's an all-star game, man. Exhibition. You don't have to go all out in an all-star game. Ray Fossey ended up with a separated shoulder. They didn't know about for the next few years. Still playing with it. Still played it with though. All right. He definitely had the respect of his Reds teammates, especially Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan was the catalyst of that 1970s Reds machine. I don't know if he had the um, Johnny bench. You really don't ever get a real good, when Johnny Bench talked about Pete Rose, you never really got a good, a real filler on it. So I don't really think Johnny Bench liked Pete Rose all that much. But the rest of the guys, you know, even would come out and still support him even after this whole thing. So um, he is a Reds legend after all, and he is um, a Hall of he is he's a Hall of Famer in my book after this. We're doing all the research. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Not the greatest. You can call him over it if you want to. That's entirely up to you. But, um, but are you calling him? But then you got to think to yourself: Are you calling him overrated due to his play, or due to his persona that he built to continue to make a living, or? I'm not. I, again. You can you can not like the man and still respect the player. Right? Cuz it's still two different uh, you can still separate that out, right? Well, thank you for everyone for listening. Um I really do appreciate each and everyone that listens to this. I don't know how we did it, but we still had 112 127 downloads in the last 90 days and that was without me putting out any content so thank you to everyone that's still downloading old episodes that the last 90 days um thank you to all the followers that have still continued to to find the find this podcast and follow it um it's it's been really I, I I never dreamt of this ten months ago that I would have a hundred and eighty eight followers, listener unique listeners as they call it on the spectrum on the on the stats, unique hundred and eighty eight unique listeners. I never thought of that. This was supposed to be a podcast for me just to talk about sports and have fun with. I had some friends, I had I had a you know, had Adam Lake brother in law. 
that basically was like, I would listen to that. He was the main reason why I made this podcast because he said he would be my listener. And then my buddy Sal said, I would listen to that. And, and then it's just grown from just those two cousin, you know, just has grown and evolved. And I really just do appreciate it. Like I said, I'll be back in two weeks to dissect another player's career. If you have any suggestions, send me a tweet, uh, shout me, shoot me a DM, uh, Send me an email, one guy with a mic at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, I th- and like I said, going forward, I think the podcasts are just gonna be more of this for now. So and also make sure to listen to other podcasts on the Sports History Network. We're all big happy family here. Um, there's like thirty of us now, and we talk. There's guys that go to sportshistorynetwork.com, and you can get a list. You can there's racing. There's um, my boy. My guy, Dana, on Historically Speaking Sports, that's had me on his show a couple times, which every time I'm on his show, it's like I'm talking to my best friend. No offense, Adam. No offense, Sal. But, like, legit, talking to Dana is like talking to one of you guys. that I've And I've known you guys longer than I've known him. And he just, him and I just, it's just awesome. A little brotherly love there, man. So always, you know, check us all out. Um, there's a lot of football content on, on the website as well. So as always, have a good one, fam. Love y'all. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. The Pigskin Tales podcast is all about the lesser known pro football players. Yes, there are stories about the ones we know, like Brad Tarkenton and Harold Red Grange. But have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? about Dave Osborne or even Grady Alderman. These men created their own path to the NFL. How did they do it? Listen to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Now streaming on your favorite music platform. Go to pigskintales.com. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to Sports historynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.